Hi, it's Jasmine. You know, that girl who did you know what way before the internet ever existed. Join me and my special guest every week as we talk about anything and everything because nothing is too taboo. So punch your ticket and get on board the crazy train with me, Jasmine St. Clair. All aboard! Welcome to a new episode of Crazy Train Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Today has been a very uh, crazy morning so far, but just to wind it down and make it better is this interview with Lila Hart. Now, I heard of Lila Hart a while ago because of Sam Tripoli, and also her comedy is insanely funny, but she is, um, you know, a very tiny uh, fireball full of life, full of energy, and just so much, oh God, how could I put it? So much like, uh, so many things to say. And a lot of them are true, you know, at least to me. And I thought it was very refreshing to have a conversation with someone <clears throat> who's super talented, but shares the same values I do and a lot of the same viewpoints on things because a lot of us are silenced these days. Now, I didn't really want to make this into a political podcast today, but I just feel as though too many people are being silenced. And there are a lot of talented people out there, such as Lila, who's like now in Texas doing comedy there and doing stuff with Chrissy Mayer, but she's amazing. And it's done some pretty cool documentaries, which I highly recommend that you see. Um, but without further ado, here's Lila Hart. So one of my biggest moments is when I saw you on, um, I think it's CPAC or a TPUSA event. I see this like hot little, like this chick with these white cowboy boots on, right? Legs and a cowboy hat. I'm like, wait a second, who is this? And you're like right next to Steve Bannon. How did that happen? Don't, don't tell me you met Mike Lindell yet, because if you did, I'm so jealous. I did. Oh my God. Okay. Where'd you meet Mike Lindell? I met him at CPAC, actually. I met Steve and Mike at CPAC. Um, we were promoting the film my husband and I made, which is American History of Voter Fraud. This is where Landslide Lila, this is my merch um landslide lila come is a line from that movie but we talk about the 200 years of voter fraud in america and so going to cpac i was there to promote the film and i got to meet them which was awesome but um i never jasmine i wasn't here's here's what's interesting so i'm a stand-up comedian my husband also does stand-up comedy and uh we met doing stand-up in los angeles and um, it was never my plan to get into politics, okay? I mean, I, but but it is kind of funny how that worked out because um, I went to Washington State University. I do have a degree in broadcast journalism with a minor in political science. So it's kind of funny how the world, how, you know, life is funny and it, it works in mysterious ways. But anyways, I started stand-up in 2016 and that's when I met my husband and uh, we made our film because of everything that happened in 2020. Um, making the film is what was able to get me back on stage. It's a big deal. And a lot of people, like even my Republican friends, oh, there's no voter fraud. I worked at the polls for the midterms here in California. I was fired after, I think, the third day because I chased a guy down the street who had his mail-in ballot and he didn't turn it in. And you didn't even have ID on you. And they still let you vote here. 
Yeah. You, know? you, you were in California for how long? So I was there for 10 years and we left September of 2021. So I'll, I'll let you know. Um, I'll let your audience know what happened to me. So basically, um, Prior to the pandemic, I was out performing four nights a week, going to mics, going to shows, performing at the Comedy Store, Laugh Factory, Hollywood Improv, doing all of that. And um, August 29th of 2021, I had the biggest show of my life, which was at the Ford Amphitheater in Los Angeles. I performed in front of 800 people. It was the most amazing show. There were 10 performers there. Um, I was the only unvaccinated performer. So I had to have... A, uh, they had they had me take a COVID test. It was the only COVID test that I took the entire pandemic and since. And the only reason I did take it is because this was such a big opportunity for me. And I really wanted to perform, especially after I hadn't been on stage for, you know, nearly a year. And so to get this opportunity to perform at the Ford Amphitheater, I was like, okay, fuck it. I'll, I'll take the damn test. Okay. So I took the test. I also had um, a medical exemption because in 2017, um, I had a uh, ovarian cyst on my left ovary, and they actually I only have one ovary because they had to remove the entire ovary in 2017, and that's when I found out that I was very much prone to blood clotting. So, you know, with all the vaccine side effects and everything that we know about it, you know, the blood clot. So um, I was able to get my medical exemption, but frankly, I just don't want to take the shit, okay? So- I get the medical exemption. I perform at the Ford Amphitheater. I have an amazing show. I mean, they even wrote about it in uh, the LA Times. If you look up the LA Times, they have this whole article about me doing the show and then after the show. So then three days later, I went to the comedy store on Sunset, okay? And I had my negative COVID test, my medical exemption paperwork, and I had just got, you know, back from performing at this amazing show in LA. Um, I get to the comedy store and they are mandating the vaccine. They had you, you have to have your vaccine passport to get into the comedy store. And I couldn't believe it, you know, because I had been going to the comedy store for a few years and no one's ever che really checking my ID because they know me there, right? But I get there and I get stopped by security and they're like, Lila, okay, do you have your vaccine card? And I was like, no, but I do have a medical exemption and I do have a negative COVID test in my purse here. So they call a manager. Okay. And they have me standing outside for like 30 minutes before the manager gets there. And they're like, Lila, um, okay, so here's the thing. We can't let you in because everybody that comes in here has to have, you know, a vaccine passport. And they're like, but what we can do is we can take your medical paperwork and we can file it. And then in three days, you could get in there. And how insane is that, Jasmine, that they want to take your paperwork? And I just feel like it's like, you know, the fact that I even have to um, disclose all of this medical information out to people and, and you know here's the thing I have spina bifida and scoliosis so I was born with a congenital birth defect and what's so crazy to me about this vaccine right wasn't this supposed to protect people like me the most vulnerable yet now here I am not being allowed into the comedy store so then um as I'm getting told that I can't come in and that I can come back in three days I was like well I don't really want to give you my medical paperwork so I'm not going to do that you know, the manager leaves and then the bouncer at the door, he says to me, he's like, Lila, you should have just shown me a fake vaccine card and I would have let you in. So then I find out, oh, wow. So all of a majority of you comedians don't even believe in this vaccine. You're just going along with this tyranny. You have these fake vaccine cards. 
And it's like, how dare you promote this to your fans who trust you, you know? So what I ended up doing was I made a video where I let everybody know, I was like, hey, I was just rejected from being uh, access to the comedy store. And I post this video on Instagram and Twitter. And it kind of like, it was, it created a lot of buzz within the stand-up comedy community. And Chrissy Mayer, so one of my dear friends, uh, she reached out to me and, and, and her and I had never connected before this, but she was the first person to reach out to me and ask me to be on her podcast to talk about this. And what was so uh, crazy was just a couple months prior to that, I remember seeing Chrissy Mayer's tweet where she had tweeted that she would not be performing at any comedy clubs that required the vaccine you know, mandate. And I remember seeing that tweet and being like, wow, this woman is so incredibly brave for like speaking out. And then for a couple months later, for this to happen to me and for her to reach out to me and have me on uh, her show. So she has me on her podcast. And it, and it was great. And it was like kind of like the first time I was really talking about this, right? Well, two weeks later, my husband and I decided that we're just going to leave Los Angeles. If I'm not going to be allowed into the comedy store, if I'm not going to be allowed at the Hollywood Improv, if I'm not going to be allowed into the Laugh Factory, because all these places are requiring these mandates, then we're just going to leave. So we moved to Texas. And uh, Chrissy actually was uh, headlining at Hyenas. And she asked me to feature for her. And so... Um, these last couple of years I've been featuring for her, which has been awesome. I love Chrissy. I, someone told me, oh yeah, you guys could probably talk conspiracy theories and blah, 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 you know, get along. And this specific person like hates her. I'm like, why do you hate her? Like, what did she ever do to you? Do you know her? Well, she was there on January 6th. I'm like, okay, well, good for her. I actually, I'm kind of jealous. I wish I was there that day. Instead, I watched it from my TV and I see this decrepit old alcoholic woman like getting up slowly but surely when she hears that there's something going on, you know, so there's so many different things behind it, you know, it's like a whole other, you know, topic, but I support people in entertainment coming out, especially you. And did you lose a lot of fans you feel when you came out? And, and by the way, I have to say that is disgusting what the comedy store did to you. That's humiliating. And they yeah. let these untalented hacks get up there the, these little girls oh my god who's the big comedian that i could blow this time you know that wanna that, that wanna like blow the chris delias and, and these other people just to get two minutes up there with shitty material you know it is humiliating god, I love you. shame you on them me. it's true and he looks like an egg by the way that chris whatever his name is um but yes <laughs> did you lose a lot of fans coming out Oh, absolutely. And so um, the crazy thing was, is when I got to Texas, I went on another podcast. Uh, there was a show uh, called You Are Here. Um, it was uh, with Elijah Schaefer and Sydney Watson. Um, so I have it. Chrissy had her show at Hyenas in Dallas, right? And so she calls me and she's like, Lila, can you come feature for me? And I'm like, absolutely. I get out there and uh, a bunch of people from The Blaze were in the audience. Uh, Elijah Schaefer was in the audience. Sydney Watson, uh, my good friend, Brittany Venti, who I had met that night, was in the audience. And so after the show, they come up to me and they're like, oh my gosh, you are so funny. Um, we have to fly you out back to Texas and interview you on the show. And I was like, oh my gosh, you don't even have to fly me out. Like you can just, um, I live here now. So um, about two weeks later, I was on the show. And the funny thing is, Jasmine, they invited me on thinking I was going to be this ha ha 
funny comedian, right? And I was actually a cry median because I couldn't stop crying because it was the first time that I was being public about my feelings where I said that I didn't believe in the mask mandates. I, I believe that the vaccine was poison and it was killing people. And that, um, and I knew that a lot of my friends who were watching this, you know, were probably, I knew that they weren't going to be happy about it because here's the thing in Los Angeles, I did, wouldn't wear the mask if I was out with my husband. The only time I would wear the mask if it is, was when I was around my friends and it, it was to make them feel comfortable, you know? So I really kind of felt like Anne Frank with my thoughts. You know, I could not, it was very like suffocating. I couldn't speak out. So the first time I was on this, you know, big podcast and I was publicly speaking out about it, it was kind of cathartic. Like, you know, I, I it was like the tears were flowing, but it kind of felt like this release as well. And so that day after the podcast came out, I lost 6,000 followers on Instagram, 6,000, Okay. Not only did I lose 6,000 followers, I got a ton of messages from people who um, were my friends, you know, people who had some of my fans who've been following me for, I mean, it makes me emotional now, but like some of my fans have been following me for a long time, telling me how horrible of a person I was, how I wanted people to die. And I mean, it was really, really awful. So um, I kind of went through like, uh, we moved into our house. Uh, we moved to Texas, September of 2021. And all of 21 and half of 22, I was really in this kind of like depression because you have to understand, like I left Los Angeles, I moved to Texas to a brand new scene. I'm first publicly coming out about this stuff. I basically feel like I'm blacklisted from Hollywood because even though a lot of comedians agreed with me, they didn't want to publicly speak out and say, oh yeah, well, that's right. Because they themselves have, you know, they have fake vaccine cards or, you know, they're going along with things, right? So my husband, um, who I'm just so grateful for, he's incredibly smart. He did all of the research, is um, did all of the editing, you know, for our movie, American History of Voter Fraud. And he's the one who really, opened my eyes a lot of, to a lot of things. And us making the movie is what was able to get me back on stage because, you know, I was invited onto more podcasts and then, you know, God rewards bravery. And I also have to give a shout out to Sam Tripoli. He had me on his podcast to talk about, we, my husband and I, we've made several films, um, uh, American History of Voter Fraud, World Death Organization, which is the history of eugenics and basically talks about why all vaccines are really dangerous. Um, we made Two Hours of Dick, The Dick Gregory Story, and Up the Rivers, Joan Rivers. And those can all be found at lilahart.com slash documentary. Um, but yeah, Sam Tripoli had me on his podcast to talk about World Death Organization. And that was really, really huge because um, it, it, it was like now I feel like people are really waking up more and are kind of understand that, hey, like if we continue to be silent about this, if we continue to not talk, it's only going to get worse. And when people are like, oh, how is all this crazy stuff happening? It's like the 2020 election was stolen. What do you mean? How is this all this crazy stuff was happening? Like uh, Joe Biden's not the real freaking president here. Hello. No, no, he's not. We all know that. Well, people would sense at least. Yeah. I mean, it's very productive. You did that. It's It's been really hard to come out. I know that I already, someone accused me of probably being a white supremacist and groundlings right now, because these kids aren't following me on my Instagram, but they know my name. They're looking shit up and they're seeing things like those wrestling promos I was doing. 
And then my mom, I remember as of late said that someone's going to lock me up in a straight jacket and throw me away because all I said from day one, these people are coming for your kids, meaning the government, meaning the transgender people who are, who are trying to push kids into taking hormone therapy yeah. and, and, and mutilate their genitals. I, I think Abel Garcia is in somewhere in Texas these days, yeah, but he, Abel. yeah, he's a friend of mine. He's a detransitioner he's and you see, you see all this I love stuff. Abel. I love him to death and he's so strong. Um, but the whole thing with masks and comedy. I, so I have a one woman show and I know I lost half my audience in New York City because of Vax cards. How do you wear a mask and enjoy comedy? Is there any way to do this? Did people do that at your show? Did they stand six feet away to get an autograph from you? Like, how did that work? Did they even have masks in Texas? Um, it, so here's the thing. The best thing I, that I love about Texas, it's it's really a live and let live. And I, I feel like when we first got out here too, like I had suffered so much like PTSD from being in California during 2020 and half of 2021 that it was like, it, it took me about a year to be like, oh, okay. Like everybody here is kind of just, it's live and let live. Like, even if you have differing, uh, different opinions, it's not how it is in California where it's very culty and people will just stop being your friend or stop talking to you or just demonize you completely. And it's just, I mean, Jasmine, it is just so wild to me. Okay. I got to tell you this other story that happened to me. This was my breaking point, my mask breaking point. So, um, this was June of 2021. I was at Starbucks. Okay. I was with my friend at Starbucks and she was one of my friends who I would wear the mask around just to, to make her feel comfortable, you know, because I had, I hadn't really like outed myself on, you know, my feelings on things. Uh, cause I, I was afraid that the friendship would be, and God, it's so sad. It isn't that sad that you have it to, is. I've lost so, a lot of friends. Yeah. So, um, I go to Starbucks with her and we're both wearing the mask. We're standing in there and I just take off my mask. I'm like, I'm not doing this anymore. And she kind of looks at me like, Oh my God, Lila, what are you doing? I'm like, whatever. And so I go order, I order my coffee, Jasmine. Okay. I order my coffee and the lady accepts my order. And then we're standing there and I'm like, okay, I'm feeling good. I'm like not wearing my mask. No one's saying anything. All of a sudden she's making my drink and she goes, um, ma'am, you need to put on your mask. And I was like, just finish making the drink. And she's like, no, you need to put on your mask. And I was like, would you rather I get my money back? Cause I'm not putting my mask on so I can get my money back and you don't have to finish making the drink. I'll do that. Even though that's going to take longer, but I'll do that. And she was like, yeah, you can get your money back. So I get back in line. She, the other cashier is giving me my money back, right? This six foot tall man walks in. He's not wearing a mask. She takes his order. Okay. She takes his order and I look at them and I'm like, so are you guys just picking and choosing who you're going to pick on? Because he's not wearing a mask and you're not getting him shit for it. And, uh, he's, you just let him order his drink and you're making me give you my money back. And then she says, she looks at the man and she's like, sir, could you put on your mask? And this fucker puts his mask on and I go, are you fucking kidding me? And then I kind of break out into this like speech and I'm like, how long are we going to do this? How these masks don't work. How long are we going to do this? And there was a lady in the back with her child and she was kind of cheering me on like, yes, please. But finally somebody, then a guy, this 
overweight man with two masks on comes into my face and he's like, you are the reason people are dying. You're killing people. And then another guy with a mask on, he was like, you know, I own a business and we need to respect these businesses. And I'm like, this is fucking Starbucks. Okay. This is, this is Starbucks. This is not like the same as like a home business or something. What the hell? And so at that point, my friend is like, you know, staring at me, like, what the fuck, Lila? And I look at her and I'm like, okay, we got to go somewhere else because I'm going to get my coffee. I'm still going to get my coffee and I'm going to find another place that's going to allow me to walk in there with no mask. And, you know, sure enough, we go to Air One and uh, they let me in and they let me order the coffee. So, you know, it was fine. But I knew at that moment that something in our friendship had changed and it really broke my heart, Jasmine. Like, because I remember, you know, she was like, what was that? Why did you do that? And I was just like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to wear the mask anymore. I'm sick of it. And just like, it, may, it just makes me so sad because I, I had known right there that something had changed, you know? Yeah, but it's your personal choice. And at the end of the day, and I tell people this all the time, why do you care like who I voted for? I don't care who you voted for. I'm not going to make you pay my gas money, but does it, I think what matters at the end of the day is how you treat people. And that's really what it comes down to. Who cares about your politics? Who cares about the stupid mask? I wish I was there. I would have told that guy with the two masks, the reason you're unhealthy is because of your body. Look at yourself. Then you have this mask. You don't let any oxygen to your brain. The amount of fights I've gotten into in the street with people many times, and I would wear my mask below my nose. And there was a guy in CVS yelling at me who's like all the way at the front of the store. I told him to shut his vagina. I said, you need to shut your vagina. Just shut your vagina and don't tell me anything about a mask. So I think I offended him somehow. But like the mask was offensive. And everyone that wore it had really bad acne. Did you break out by any chance? Okay, so I the, the mask that, um, that I had for a little bit that I did wear it was I ordered this thing on Amazon. It was like a safari hat. And it had like a little thing. So I looked like I was going on a damn safari. That's what I was wearing, okay? When I was wearing it, it was just like this little sombrero with like a little covering. So I don't know. The whole thing was crazy. I remember also one time too, I was at a gas station and they didn't want to like give me gas, didn't have my mask on. So like, I just took my shirt and I put it above my face and then they were like, cool with that. And I'm like, people have lost their goddamn minds, Jasmine. And just, and to go back to what you're saying about, you know, you know, you said it, it's a, it should be how you treat people. It should be how, you know, your actions are there. That's why it broke my heart so much when I lost so many fans, like 6,000 in one day, because it was like, nothing about me had changed. Nothing about me had changed, except for the fact that I said, I don't believe in these masks. And I think these vaccines are a scam. And then, oh my God, now Lila's evil. And, but it's like, all the years that you had followed me, all the years that you had supported me, all the, all the inspiration that I had given you, all the, all of a sudden, that's that's null, that's nothing, because you don't believe in the mass, Lila, and how dare you? You're so evil, and you're killing people. And it's like, no, the government is killing people. Fauci is killing people. This is a whole freaking scam, you know? Yeah. And it's like, you know, Jasmine, I'm four foot six with it, like a fucking spinal cord injury from birth. And I still have a bigger spine than most of these fucking people. Oh, no, you do. And yeah, you have bigger balls than like any guy in LA. That's not saying much because a lot of them are liberals, you know, and they just, you know, when I was on a dating profile a few years back when this was going on, it said, if you are a liberal or a Democrat, please swipe left. I already have a vagina. So- <laughs> 
therefore i maybe had like two people message me and these guys lie about their height they lie about all these things it's like yeah later i'm good i got off of that real fast but getting back to the whole mask thing i just people had the liberty to go up to people in the street like i've had people come up to me oh you're killing people blah 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 and they want to say something they're going to say because you seem like you are approachable plus you're a petite woman you're four foot six you know your spinner yeah. size. Um, I'm sorry. I have to say, it. I'm so sorry. I know you're the best. You're so funny. I had to. She's just, yeah, I, I was like, yeah, she's a spinner. It's so cool, but she's so adorable. When I saw you and see then I, I remember you talking about the um the documentary. And I'm still jealous you met Mike Lindell, by the way. Uh so how did you even get started with comedy of all things? Because it's LA is such a big base of things to do. So um, okay, so I'll go back to my history with that. So basically, uh, like I said, my degree is in broadcast journalism with a minor political science. My dream, Jasmine, was always to be a news anchor because sitting behind a news desk like this, you'd have no idea that I was four foot six or that, you know, I walk with a limp and I have my disability and I could hide it, right? The me 12 years ago would have loved this Zoom era of life, okay? I could be catfishing everybody. I would have loved this, okay? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but um, anyways, I started stand up because I, when I first moved down to LA, I would send in my headshots because I, you know, I wanted to get into acting and I would do all this stuff and I would send in my headshots and everybody would love it. But then I would show up and then I felt like I was being very discriminated against because of my disability. And what's really wild to me, is like, you know, I really think it's wonderful now that we're so accepting of people with disabilities. But when I was coming up like 12 years ago, that was not the case. In fact, when I was in university, I went to Washington State and I really wanted to be in a sorority because being in a sorority is like the ultimate cool thing. Like you're accepted by all the girls and all of that, right? Well, I did the sorority rushing and um, at the end of the sorority rushing week, none of the houses wanted me, okay? And I knew it in my heart that I probably had something to do with my disability, right? Because was, there was no other like disabled people on my campus. I didn't even see other little people or just anybody with really like disabilities or anything like that. And sure enough, four years later, you know, my senior year of college, I'm at a party and this drunk girl comes up to me and she's crying and she's like, you know, guilt confessional. And she tells me, she's like, Lila, I just have to tell you, like, I feel so guilty, but none of the houses wanted you because we didn't want to be known at the house with a crippled girl. And I remember Jasmine, like walking home from the party and calling my mom, you know, and like crying, like, I mean, it makes me cry now just like thinking about it, but um being like wow like all I wanted was to be accepted and then to just be known that like oh I'm too crippled to be part of this sorority stuff right so anyways um it's so funny how like when you think about certain memories like even though like I'm so different from that girl I was back then it can kind of bring back those but you're cooler than those girls anyway like (laughs) you could choose your own friends you never needed to be a part of sorority then so God had his own plans for you, but just yes. not that. Yeah. So, you know, also it's like, I, I had a really hard time accepting my disability. Like I always hit it. I never wanted to talk about it. I wouldn't tell people that I had spina bifida. I mean, Jasmine, I used to tell people that the reason I was small is, was because I was born premature. And like, that doesn't even make sense because premature babies like grow up to become normal. So I don't know why in my mind that sounded better than saying I have spina bifida and scoliosis. I was like, no, I was just born premature. And then I stayed premature. Hey, but, um, anything goes. 
And I also, you know, it, it was like dating was really hard for me too, because I, I had a lot of guys who would say things like, you know, Lila, you're really pretty, but I can't date you because I don't want my friends to make fun of me for being with a midget. You know, I had guys say that to my face. And so I started stand up comedy because I had this epiphany one day. I remember it was February 10th of 2016. I was in my room in LA and I had, an, I had this epiphany. And also that happens to be my sister's birthday, February 10th. And I realized it was like, you know what? No one's going to hire you as the four foot six love interest on a soap opera. But if you became a comedian, they would write parts in for you. So that day I got on my computer. I looked up open mics in Los Angeles and I found that Flappers open mic. I got dressed up. I put on a gold dress. Well, I got there like two hours early and I sat there. And when I, my name got called, I got on stage. I did my first jokes and Ever since that moment, I was completely hooked because there was something so powerful about going on stage and, you know, talking about my spina bifida, you know, taking back the power from M word midget, right? I call myself the baddest midget bitch. And it was like, it really transformed my life. And the craziest part is I met my husband doing stand-up. We met at an open mic. The first time he saw me, I was on stage. And you know what they say? It's like you you find love when you truly learn to love yourself. And it's like comedy really did that for me. It healed so many parts of me. And I remember being at the Hollywood Improv like three years into my comedy career. And I remember standing there and it was the first time I felt completely grateful for my spina bifida, completely grateful for my disability in the sense of like, oh, this is, you know what, if I, if I wasn't born with this disability, I wouldn't be doing stand-up. And I love stand-up so much that I would go through all of that shit that I went through to get to this point, right? So um to me, stand-up has just been an amazing journey. It's 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 healed so many parts of my life and it's also given me so much. I would not have the life I have today if I never got on the stand-up stage for the first time. You know, and I and I've always been like a storyteller. Like even before I started stand-up, that was like uh people would always come up to me and be like, Are you some sort of comedian? Cause like, you know, I like to talk to people. I remember one time I was telling my mom, I was like, man, my dream job, this is before I even knew about stand-up, I was like, my dream job would be like, if I could just like talk to people, I would love that because that's what I like to do. And uh, yeah, I'm just really grateful for it because like I said, I, it, it just healed a lot for me. It's really some of the darkest things that turn into, you know, the base for most of our talents and things that really put us out there, you know? And I, I commend you for just getting up on stage like that because I suffer from stage fright like big time. Then I started taking classes at like UCB, then the Second City Conservatory, like all the way through grad review. Then I had the one woman show. And like the first time I'm on stage, I mean, you get that thing, like, you know, you're, you're dry mouth and you're like shaking and you're just really nervous. And it's like, okay. So like I calmed down and I got over that. But going into a New York City crowd where half your audience is missing because of that rat face who mishandled the AIDS crisis and his advice, get <laughs> vaccines. He does look like a rat. It, it, it's like, and I, I'm pretty sure he's the one that mishandled the AIDS crisis during the 90s as well. Or 80s, 90s, yeah. yes. So it's this whole, it's just taken so much out of us. And, and now you have, you know, we're faced with cancel culture. And that's another thing. You yeah. can't, I don't, I think you're uncancelable at this point. And do you think you, have you really toned down your jokes because of cancel culture or have you just keep you know, kept doing whatever you want to do? Be um, free. So 
even before all this 2020 stuff in 2016, um, I got invited to perform for uh, the Little Women. I was on an episode of Little Women LA. Have you seen the show before? Little Women? I know the show. That's so yeah. So um, I remember watching Little Women LA when I was in college and being totally inspired by these ladies because I'm like, they, you know, we're, I'm the same size as them. And, you know, um, I always thought like, how cool would it be to meet them? And then, you know, I start stand up and the show reached out to me to have me perform for the girls. And I was so excited, Jasmine. Um, I performed for the girls. I remember right before I was about to get on stage, I remember thinking like, Lila, are you going to, are you going to do your midget jokes? Are you going to do them? Like, and I was like, because in my head, I was thinking it might be offensive. But right before I got on stage, I was like, no, because I believe in these jokes. And here's how I can tell you the difference between a good joke and a bad joke. If you have a joke, let's say about people in wheelchairs, right? A good joke is you could say that joke in a room full of people and they're all in wheelchairs. And it's a good joke if, if you can make those people laugh, right? If you can't do the joke in front of the people that it's going to offend the most, then it's not a freaking good joke and you don't believe in it. So I was like, no, I believe in these jokes. I'm going to do it. And so I go out there. I do I do my my set. And, and the joke that I do is, uh, you know, like I said, I um, what the bit is uh, I'm, I'm not a midget. I'm Filipina. Okay, that's the line. I'm not a midget. I'm Filipina, right? Which, hilarious gets a big laugh whatever and um I after the show I go out to meet the girls and I'm so excited Jasmine I'm like oh finally I'm so excited to meet them and I sit down and uh the first thing they say to me is they're like so you like to use the m word in your stand-up and I'm like you've got to be freaking kidding me here they are reprimanding me for using the m word saying midget and I have to explain to them hey I am not using this word to offend you. I'm using this word because it's a word that used to offend me. It's a word that used to hurt my feelings, you know? And I'm saying this so that I can take the power back from it. And we ended up having like an hour and a half long discussion, which they cut down to like, you know, a minute and 20 seconds. Um, but the one thing I'm really proud of myself is the fact that I did not apologize. I didn't say that, oh, I'm not gonna do this. I'm not gonna do the joke anymore because it offended you. And this is in 2016. So I guess that that was like my first kind of taste of like trying to, um, my first taste of like what it's kind of like to like, uh, you know, the mob kind of going after you because you have to imagine I'm sitting there and they're all telling me how horrible my jokes are and how I shouldn't be doing that kind of stand up and how, you know, when they, when you have people like us in the audience, Lila, you shouldn't be doing that. I'm like, and I thought back and I was like, I thought I should be doing it more because you guys would understand it and think it's even more hilarious because you are in the audience. And that's why I did it. I did the jokes for you. If I thought that they were truly offensive, I wouldn't have done it. But I believe in these jokes and I did it, you know, so I was really proud of myself for that. But yeah, it was like it was pretty shocking to me, Jasmine, to have them tell me that my jokes offended them. And I remember, you know, after the show, I went to the Hollywood Improv and I was like, Oh man, I was so emotional. I was crying over it. I was like, I can't believe they didn't like me. And I felt really bad, but I was like, it made me actually want to work harder and write even more jokes. And, you know, and in a lot of ways, I think it kind of prepared me for a lot of the kind of cancel stuff I've gone through now, because, you know, you can't bow down to the mob. You can't, if you do that, it's like anything can offend anybody. And like I said, I wasn't doing these jokes to hurt their feelings. In fact, 
um, before I started stand up, about two weeks before I started stand up, I went to the Laugh Factory, okay? And I watched Adam Ray perform. And he was on stage and he was doing a, a joke about his midget friend, Brad Williams. And he said, my midget friend, and he said, the joke is about some, something about uh, his midget friend, like banging somebody in the closet. And I remember sitting there, okay, Jasmine, I'm sitting there like in my seat, like shaking, like, oh my God, everybody in this comedy club is going to think the midget he's talking about is me. Because I was so insecure, you know, I was like, everybody's going to think the midget he's talking about is me and they're all going to think it's, they're all going to be staring at me, even though he's clearly talking about Brad Williams, a man banging someone in the closet, not me sitting there in the comedy club, but I'm being so insecure, right? There's something internally going on with me. So after the show, my friend that I was with was like, Lila, you should go up to Adam and you should say to him, you know, that that joke offended you. And I was like, no, I need to figure out what the hell is going on with me that's making me feel so goddamn insecure. And then two weeks later, I became a comedian and I, you know, I figured it out. <laughs> you know, half the time, it's not even you that has the problem with it. It's other people. But because maybe one person in the group of little, those girls, those ladies, um, the little ladies felt offended. They got the others involved well, come on, let's go up there and let's just, let's tell her like, this is bad. This is not right. And that's usually how it works out. I'm sure that maybe one or two of them in the group didn't really care. And, and it's a shame. I mean, Hollywood, we're just so stuck with the same content over and over at these comedy clubs. You get mm -hmm. dick jokes from every little jock that's out there, you know, and, and then you get these jokes from these girls. Well, like when I was 16, like my uncle raped me and like my mom, mom finger but look whatever it is you know it's like I'm sick of hearing well you know I just hate that voice and it's like I'm sorry I, know, <laughs> I sound horrible every other yeah, it's so person funny. but it's true though you know and, and it's the same jokes over and over so it's refreshing because if you can't laugh at yourself you've got nothing and that's really what it is at the end of the day or, or that's what I want to think it is um I think it's refreshing you met someone that has the same political beliefs as you and I think a lot of people have come over to that side when we started seeing the whole thing with kids coming up. Yeah. Just a curiosity, just a question. Do you do you think there's anything wrong with the whole Dylan Mulvaney thing? You know, um, I find it very interesting how he has been so pushed up by uh the algorithm I mean I also okay here's here's my theory on it I feel like he started this as a, a joke okay I feel like he started it as some sort of you know um a day one of being a girl da, da, da. but then as it grew as the algorithm pushed it up as all these companies it's like now it's become a thing where it's it's so lucrative for him you know and I feel like there's a bigger agenda that's happening and they want to really like normalize um, this transgenderism. And you want to hear a crazy conspiracy that I have that's like super crazy. I'm like, what yeah. if, what if like they want to normalize transgenderism so much so that like when Michelle Obama comes out as Michael and then she can run it or he can run as president? No, I agree. It's not a conspiracy theory. And I, I respect you for calling Dylan him. I, I just think that he is doing another version of the movie Tootsie which is one of my favorite movies. He didn't cut his, th he didn't cut his thing off. He has not yeah. taken any type of hormone suppressors or, or whatever they take at that age. He doesn't have any implants. So are you just dressing up women 
and like suppressing us. Then you have the whole fourth wave feminist speaking like in support of these people. It's in it, what's so crazy to me is like you would never see this on the male side. You would never see a woman become a man and get so propped up by men. And it's funny how women are so easily manipulated that we're like, here we are supporting and propping up Dylan. Okay. This men would never allow a woman to infiltrate their shit the way that we have allowed Dylan to infiltrate and to take these sponsorships and to parade around. Being a woman, I mean, the fact that Drew Barrymore is like getting on her knees and being like, wow, you are so brave. I mean, you can clearly see that Dylan is a man and the size, it's just, it's very um, concerning to me that we have just propped up this person, but it goes to show that like, people are so easily manipulated, you know? And like you said, I don't think he really is, transgender I I really don't and again it's not I feel like he's he's doing this because it's very lucrative I mean he's making a lot of money he's getting a lot of support I mean he's getting a lot of attention he's always wanted to have that kind of attention nothing really has changed about him if you look at videos of him from the past when he was a regular gay man it's just all that's changed it's like he's now he has a wig on and he wears female clothing yeah, when Drew Barrymore like got on the ground, at first I'm like, wait, is she trying to blow him? Like, what's she trying to do now? But it's to put him in the safe space on the ground. Okay, I get it, fine. But I mean, it's just none of these girls see it. It's a man suppressing a woman. And you have serious emotional issues when you want to be something else. You can't accept yourself. So why should we accept you? Yeah. I, I also just feel like, too, it's like, okay, if Dylan wants to dress like that and be like that, that's one thing. But the fact that he's being so promoted and shoved in everybody's faces. And, okay, when you think about censorship, okay, shadow banning is real. Censorship is so real. And the, I, I say this, I'm like, you know, people people uh, only care about censorship when it's happening to them. You know, it's just like disability. Nobody wants to talk about disability until it, it's happening to somebody that you know or love you know, and it's like the same thing with censorship. And it's like, the fact that Dylan is being so shoved in everybody's faces, it's like, it's so clearly being shown here that there is an agenda. It's like, it's very sick. And if you speak out against vaccines, if you speak out against the mass, if you speak out against Fauci, you do all these things. Like my husband's Twitter account was um, banned for three months after we released World Death Organization, okay? For three months, he was not able to post anything. And he wasn't able to get his account back to like Elon Musk got a hold of, you know, Twitter. But even then it took like another month. And it's like, how is that fair? When people like Dylan can talk about being a girl and then all of his shit is just completely in your face. They don't want to, you know what it is? It's, Jasmine, it's that they want to promote lies and they want to suppress the truth. And this is the biggest, Dylan Mulvaney is a, the biggest example of promoting lies because he's not a woman. He doesn't even really want to be a woman. And they are promoting this big lie, shoving this lie in your face while they suppress the truth on everything else. And this is what makes me laugh. People are like, how could this happen? How could Dylan Mulvaney happen? Because the 2020 election was stolen and not enough people have spoken out. What do you mean, how could this happen? You're really shocked. Are you really shocked? Oh, no, 
Oh, we all knew anyone with half a brain knew it was stolen. And this Dylan thing, he wants to be a woman. Fine. I'll just Lorraine Bob at him. If he really wants to be a woman, we can go that way. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, now that I get called out on castings, you know, it's, I see it on the other end and the back end that the agency some things. And whenever they ask for a biological woman to audition, they're inviting trans, they're encouraging them. So you're going to encourage a biological male who might be mentally ill or probably is mentally ill to audition for the same role. So why the hell am I even here? Because I know you're going to pick them. That already happened to me once or twice, actually. Uh, There's an episode of Saved by the Bell. They wanted a specific soccer type mom who's picking up the kid after school and flirts with the coach. They took it in a whole other direction. And it's just, it's being shoved in our faces because they're going after kids. They dismantle the nuclear American family by going after the most vulnerable component that's there, which are kids. You know, I, I don't have kids, but I should be involved in the school board somehow because I see it going on. And you, you have parents that don't have a lot of money that cannot afford to send their kids to school, private school, or put them in a viable after-school program. So it's also targeting people of different, um, I guess, financial backgrounds. I know last, last summer I saw the parties going on in Texas. And I think when I started getting really crazy about this whole thing is when I saw it's like a 12-year-old girl sitting down and it was a grown man, grown man, okay? No boob implants, but a long rainbow colored wig, uh, what else? And a bikini lap dancing for her. Now that's a grown man sexually assaulting a minor female in a federally funded school. And it's just, it's above and beyond me that just people think it's okay. Have you ever been knocked off the bill at a show because the tranny was going to perform or they had like, it was this night or that night and you're biological female. I mean, I feel like we're going to get discriminated against soon if we aren't. Oh, absolutely. I absolutely. And again, what's funny to me is that men would not allow a biological woman to infiltrate their spaces. But for some reason, women are just okay with men infiltrating our stuff it's really sick it's sad well if you've ever watched them i watch a lot of old movies victor victoria julie andrews it was the opposite of tootsie julie andrews pretended to be a man who got a role in some kind of big theater production in the film then later on came out as a woman so it's the opposite of what dustin hoffman did but that's just i, I get obsessed by these movies probably because it's theater and it's acting. So I get very obsessed and like immersed in it, but I know every single line in those films. Um, now getting to the whole documentary you did on the election fraud, how long did that take to put together? Um, about the research. We had started doing the research when we first got to Texas. So, um, but in probably in total, like six months. Wow, that's quick. Yeah. What did you find? Um, you'll have to have my husband on because he is, gosh, he would love him. He, like I said, he did the soul research and everything, but as the election fraud has been happening for over 200 years, you know, and the whole point of why this is another thing, the whole point of why they have the COVID lockdowns is because they wanted everyone to do the mail-in ballots. And that was like the easiest way to, um, you know, have, people vote multiple times, even at my townhouse in Los Angeles, we got 15 ballots sent to our house with different names, like John Smith, 
you know, Michael, whatever, just like a different names that were so generic. And I'm like, if I'm getting 10 to 15 of these at my place, which I could easily fill out, this is happening everywhere. You know, I mean, it also, uh, there was like uh, an increase of like 70% mail-in ballots than we've never had before. Um, but yeah, it's been happening. It's been happening for, it happens every election cycle. Voter fraud does happen. So it's, people don't want to talk about it again, because if you spoke about it, if you spoke about it in 2020, 2021, 20, like now it's kind of crazy how now you can kind of say certain things, but like back then, like literally your whole channel would be new. So imagine all the, all these different Americans who spoke out about things who didn't have like a big following channels getting new, didn't have people speak up. It's like, we're kind of training people to stay silent. We're training people to self-censor. Yeah, but everything Trump said is true. And they had all of a sudden a blackout here in this town. Oh, and a flood there. And, you know, you're the way when you get reelected, a lot of that also is how the economy was doing prior to a new presidential election. And we all know that COVID was this whole thing just to shut us down and to make Trump look bad because they couldn't get him out any other way. And they didn't want him from day one. My favorite photo still is that man or woman, whatever it is with the glasses, like screaming to the top of its lungs. I love that person. Like I, I want to meet that person to see where he or she is and like what they think of what's going on now. Um, with that said, what are your thoughts on the new Fox News? Uh, like Tucker Carlson started releasing videos and I feel that they were silenced. Now you have the Dominion voting machine lawsuit. Have you been following that? No. Okay. So Dominion machines might be, they're suing Fox News for putting out misinformation about their machines. And now Fox News issued an apology about it, that they were mistaken. Uh, see, that's what I'm saying. I feel like everybody's being paid off and everybody's kind of like in cahoots with one another. And there's like, at this point, it's it's like just burn down the whole system. It's all fucked up, you know? And it's And I feel like we can't, if we can't even collectively acknowledge that there's voter fraud that's the problem and what's so crazy to me is like you know um if you watch the film you will we use a lot of news footage from you know the 70s and 80s and back then they were at least acknowledging that hey there is voter fraud it is happening whereas in 2020 they're like no it's not happening at all never happened most secure election. They're not even acknowledging. And I feel like because people were wearing the mask, not getting oxygen to their brain, being kind of trained and controlled, people are just like not accepting that, hey, even in the 70s and 80s, they told us that voter fraud was happening. And but now here in 2020, we're, we're just supposed to believe that it's never happened before ever. And you're just accepting that propaganda. You know, so I think that the issue is, is that, you know, even though you and I are like, you and me, Jasmine are like, yeah, it's so freaking obvious. There are people walking around and wearing masks in their car who truly believe that this was the most secure election in all of history. And that is the issue. So, and there are people out here who believe Dylan Mulvaney is a woman. So, you know, we've got, we've got a lot of people who, who are just so being easily manipulated and brainwashed. That's why I really commend you for having your podcast and speaking out the way that you you have. You're very brave to do this. Thank you like for having me on here and allowing me to speak. I mean, you're 
there's only really a handful of people who really given me this opportunity to to just be so freely speaking. And so I just really want to say thank you so much. And you're very welcome. Great. I, it's an honor to have you because I basically, I think most people know I'm a conservative by now. I don't know, but I'm pretty sure. And then when I got back into pro wrestling, we have this whole mega MAGA faction, which you kind of wonder when you see my promos that I do, wait a second, is she just, does she actually believe what she's saying? Because when I go all in, like, it sounds pretty real because it is real. Like, I just go in all the way. I just get worked up by watching Fox News or CNN in the morning. Just watch the news and then go do the promo. And that's how I get worked up. That's, that's all I have great. to do. Or watch like lives of TikTok and start flipping out about what whatever happens in schools. But the whole election, I don't know how we're going to fix this at this point. Like California, I know how they do things. In Europe, we don't have these problems. Florida doesn't have these problems. It's done in a day and that's it. You're, you know, when you've counted everything, here's a new president, here's a new prime minister, whoever, and here's a new governor. How do you think we're going to fix it at this point? Like, what do you think is going to happen in 2024? Well, I I mean, I just tweeted this the other day. I'm like, won't it be funny? I'm like, when when Joe Biden wins again, do you think people will believe in voter fraud? Is that what it's going to take? Yes. Joe Biden winning a second election. Do you think that then do you think people might agree that, hey, something's messed up here? So <laughs> you think he'll win again? I heard Kennedy is supposed to run. If Kennedy runs, I uh, and then DeSantis might run. Anyone who votes for this is a you're a fucking idiot is what you are. Anyone who voted for this shit, you're fucking selfish is what you really are, because now we're all suffering. Yeah, it's it's so wild to me, I would say. The four years that Trump was in office was the most like it, it just even my personal life, I always feel like was the most like happiest, like things were good. You could, you know, food was still affordable. Like now you go to the grocery store and it's like, my God, I couldn't believe three lemons for it a dollar. I'm like, why are these lemons so goddamn expensive? 33 cents for a lemon? Like what? In Texas? Well, that's cheap in California because we're paying like way more. And I, I like those organic lemons. I put an apple cider in the morning. Um, I put it on my face sometimes with this like volcanic mask and I need to use them. That's how you like purge your pores. Uh, plus it's all the smog and everything. So it is cheaper in Texas for sure. Did you see a huge difference with everything? Oh, oh ab absolutely, absolutely. But the, the inflation is still affecting everything everywhere. But I will say this, part of the reason why we moved to Texas is because, like I said, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how all of this is going to be fixed. But I, one thing I do know is that I feel safer in Texas. I feel like at least here, people are not going to, I don't know. I'm like, if, if shit hits the fan, I'm like, at least, I don't know. I feel like Texas is where I'm supposed to be right now. Girl, you got to come on down. We would love to have you. No, I want to come on down. Trust me, because this if they also pass this whole act in California for reparations, which I think they're going to pass, that means that my tax dollars have to go to people whose ancestors were possibly slaves. Now, I do not, I do, I do know a lot about the um the gold rush history because I studied all the brothels in the Panaman Valley. Like anything about brothels in that era, you ask me and I could tell you off the top of my head. But they did not have slaves here in California. So and if they did, it's very far and few between. But how do you prove that? And now let's say you have one family that's getting reparations, the two million dollars that Gavin Newsom wants to give them, and then you have like a Latino family there whose tax dollars have to go to them 
and then an Asian family whose tax dollars have to go to them, what do you think is going to happen? It's going to be a war. Well, and also yeah. it's like, okay, if we're just giving everybody $2 million, it's like, well, then you know what? Lemons are going to be like $5 a lemon. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> Inflation is just going to rise even more. You're going to be paying $5 for a lemon. And we're going to be like, the US dollar is going to go down to like pesos. So it's going to happen. But then it's time to go to Europe. So you do well in Europe too, I think. Have you done any tours overseas? Like where have you been that are so far besides Texas? Florida? So um, I've actually been to 23 countries. But I have not performed stand-up in all of those countries. Um, I went, when I was 19, I went on Semester at Sea, which is like a university cruise ship. So 500 college kids get on a university cruise ship. We went from the Bahamas to Spain, Italy, Turkey, Bulgaria, Croatia. So I turned 20 in Croatia. Then I've just done a lot. Um, I did a lot of traveling in my early 20s. Um, right before I did stand up, which which is also why I think which which is also what helped me get into stand up because what I noticed is when I was in Europe, nobody treated me like weird for being small. In fact, people thought I was like a a celebrity of sorts. So um, it was very funny how differently I was treated in different countries. You know where it was. You know, like in America 12 years ago, it was like I was kind of feeling outcasted. Whereas like when I was walking around. Europe people are like who are you you know so it kind of it it's just very funny life has a weird way of working out you know and then also like I remember when I first got to LA like I met um other uh people with disabilities you know the first time I went to like a disability conference was when I was living in California and that really helped me a lot to be more accepting of my disability because I went to this event called life rolls on and I met this little girl who was seven years old and she had spina bifida like me, but she was in a wheelchair and she couldn't walk. And um, it was the first time, Jasmine, that I really was kind of like faced with the fact that like, oh, wow, like my disability is like really serious because I spent so many years, like I said, hiding it, not talking about it, not even, and also like not even giving myself like enough credit for what I have been able to do. I mean, when I was born, they told my parents that I'd never be able to walk. I probably wouldn't live past the age of 13 and I would have extreme learning disabilities, you know, and now here I am a 31 year old married homeowner. Like they, they did not see that in my future. Right. So um, when I went to this disability conference and I met this little girl, it made me realize like, you know what? I'm going to wear what I want to wear because I used to be really insecure. I would not wear um, skirts because my legs are so skinny and I didn't, um, I felt really insecure about that. So I wouldn't wear any skirts. I wouldn't wear dresses. At that moment, I was like, I'm going to wear what I want to wear because there are kids out here who have the same disability as me. And I want to show them that like anything is possible and that, you know, you should just go out and be confident in who you are despite your disability. And so in a lot of ways, like, I do like how the world has become more accepting of people with disabilities, but it's also just, it's like, they wasn't like that when I was, you know, growing up. Well, you look perfectly fine on CPAP with those cute little boots and that hat. And yet I remember you had some either shorts or a short skirt on, but you definitely stood out because you had the outfit on and you're just like so cheery and CPAP looked extremely excited to see you, which was wonderful. And I'm still like, I, I just, I'm just wondering, and I know I keep bringing this up, but I just, for the past year, everyone else but me has met Michael Lindell. 
I even tweeted at him, you look exotic. What is your background? I just want to know if he's like part Native American because of his cheekbones or something. And it's like, I just, I want to talk to him about his book because I like his book. And he makes the best towels in the world and his slippers are to die for. Yes, well, we have to go to life. another conference together and just what? find him. We'll have to go to another conference. I know. Then there'll be a restraining order intact or something, Lila. I'll have to no. go with you. <laughs> I will bring you right up to him. Oh my God. Then I like, I'll start. I'll be like, oh God, oh God. I have a signed bobblehead uh, someone gave me. So I didn't actually like get to meet him to sign it. But when I see him, I want to take photos. Yay. I, did, I did a fake, like my pillow, my towel ad. It, with the, the key line was nothing comes between me and my, my pillow towels. <laughs> so I did that. I even sent it to him. So I'm just like, it's like anything just to speak to him because of his book. And it's, it's a fascinating book too. You should come out with a book as well. Cause you've gone through quite a bit, you know, yeah, and it's very cool. inspiring. This is female empowerment. Like you're an empowering person from what you're born with to where you are now. It, it's really a great story. I think Thank it's wonderful. You, you are so Thank awesome, you. Jasmine. I try. I only like awesome people. But if people <laughs> want to find out, so you got your documentaries. I want you to give us your uh, your website with the documentaries and what your tour dates are coming up. So um, you can just go to lilahart.com, L-I-L-A-H-A-R-T.com. That's my website. And then if you go to lilahart.com slash documentary is where you can find all the documentaries. And then I'm actually going to be in Vegas on uh, April 27th, performing at the Stratosphere, featuring for Chrissy Mayer. And then at Hyenas in Dallas, um, May 5th and 6th, I will also be featuring for Chrissy. We have four shows that weekend. That's good. I'm so glad. I didn't see her when she was here in San Diego. I was on the other coast. So oh, next man, time. We oh, we, I, was yeah, I wanted her. to go so bad. I think I was on her podcast that day shortly uh, on her, one of them, the live stream, but we were supposed to do a live stream from Trump, uh, from Trump Tower also another time from the 45 Grill. Uh, and I, I think he's going to be at all those charges, like I'm hoping. But um, yeah, so let's definitely stay in touch. Please. Yes, have you I'd been love on to have uh, my live stream when I have the live stream with like open form uh, questions from people who are, you know, in the political realm. So mm -hmm. and definitely maybe CPAC or, or a Turning Point USA event. I don't know. One of those. Yes. Let me know if you're ever back in Dallas, too, or if you decide to come move here, because we'd love to have you. Thank you. <laughs> well, sit tight, my dear. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Are you enjoying the ride on my crazy train? Woo! Please make sure to rate and review Crazy Train Podcast. Take a screenshot. Send it to me in a DM via Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, and I will send you a free goodie bag. Oh! And Crazy Train Podcast is now on YouTube. So subscribe, Crazy Train Podcast, that's with a K, on YouTube for video interviews and never heard before interviews and some really cool bonus content. Woo!